Hey there. The holidays are here, so it's good to know Fred Meyer can save you some time with free pickup on all your fresh favorites. Whether your traditions call for a hearty helping of juicy ham, ample apple pie, or Aunt Sue's legendary twice-stuffed stuffing, Fred Meyer has got you covered. So order for free pickup at fredmeyer.com or the app and get more time to get your holiday on when you grab your groceries curbside. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, the off-the-cuff exploration of everyday aha moments and life experiences. Join a cast of over 70 uniquely brilliant individuals. Each week, Mike Domish and an eclectic mix of cast members and special guests will engage in mindful and lively conversations about everything from meditation to spirituality to personal passions to successes and failures to relationships to the stuff that makes up the moments of our daily lives. Let's get started with your host, author, speaker, provocateur, and a bit of a goofball, Mike Domish. This week's episode is sponsored by the book Can I Kiss You and the Instructor's Guide of Can I Kiss You. For many listeners know, this is the book that I wrote last year came out. We were thrilled because it went number one on Amazon for teen and young adult dating. And it is filled, just packed with how-to skill sets for anyone to read of any age. We used to have a certain age group and people said, will you stop doing that? I have a middle schooler that I want to read this book or I'm 45 single, I need to read this book. And we've had people who are married going, it's helped change my relationship. And that's why we're excited. This is this week's sponsor, the Can I Kiss You book. And if you're a teacher, the instructor's guide. You can find both at datesafeproject.org. That's datesafeproject.org. Or you can call Rita in our offices at 800-329-9390. That's this week's sponsor. Welcome to Everyday Mindfulness. And yes, I'm your host, Mike Domish, and super excited this week because I have someone on that is truly special to me in my life, not just professionally, but personally, one of my closest confidence in life, a person I turn to, whether it's most excited about something happening or something I'm really struggling with, a closest of friends, and that is Sam Silverstein. And for those of you who don't know Sam Silverstein, he is the person when it comes to accountability. And we're going to get into that a little bit later because he's going to tell you there's so much more than just accountability within that. And we'll talk about that. But right now, I want you to meet the closest of my friends, one of my dearest and best friends, Sam Silverstein. Sam, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Mike, it's great to be here. Absolutely. Uh, And so, Sam, let's get right into it because you travel the world helping corporations and organizations and individuals deal with accountability in their lives. And the reason I think this ties in so well, well, I don't even want to say why I think it ties in with mindfulness. I want you to just drive that. How does accountability fit in line with mindfulness, Sam? Wow, that's a great question. You know, I've never looked at it through the lens of that question before, but as you ask that question, some things really are crystallizing in my mind because, as you know, I, I'm doing deep dive research into mindfulness and actually have a retreat coming up. And it's part of a three-year process where I want to be able to lead discussions and conversations in specific areas of mindfulness. And it connects to everything I do in accountability because accountability is not a way of doing. It's a way of thinking. And people think of accountability traditionally as doing stuff. Got to get this done. I, You know, the report's due at three. And, and that's just, that's not what accountability really is in its core sense. 
And accountability has to do with keeping your commitments to people. Those commitments are tied to values. Values are a way of believing. And accountability is a way of thinking. It's a way of thinking about people. It's a way of thinking about relationships. And so mindfulness is all about about an awareness of what's going on in your life at that moment and the decisions that you're processing and really a non-judgmental awareness. And so there's really a strong connection there between the idea, the concept of mindfulness, of, of that awareness of what you're thinking and how you're reacting to a situation, of, of slowing down a situation and reacting in a way that you would be proud afterwards. And that connects directly to accountability, which is going to always be about relationships and, and between people. And so it's a real deeper connection than most people probably understand on the surface. And that's that's part of what I do is trying to get people to understand accountability from from a new vantage point, yeah. not just think of think of it in the in the old school way. Yeah, and let's talk about that because the old school way and you what I've always loved about Sam the way you approach it is the old school way is that people think accountability means I hold you accountable or I help hold that person accountable or they help me accountable or or even I have these system to hold myself accountable. It's about holding accountable versus being in a in a belief system of accountability, which is what you just referenced. So let's talk about the difference in What's a better term? Because accountability partner is a horrible term. I know you believe that because these aren't accountability partners. You know, some people go, I'm going to start meditation and mindfulness, so I'm going to have an accountability partner. That's not what they really are. Uh, what, explain the huge difference in the concept of accountability and I hold you accountable, you hold me accountable, and what you're talking about. The old expression of holding someone accountable is, you know, it's, it's like putting a gun to their head. And so... When people talk about holding people accountable, when when people in business say, I'm going to hold you accountable, I'm going to hold them accountable, that's about me. You're coming to work for me, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to hold you accountable. Well, that's about me. It's about my gain. It's about my personal reward. And that's just, that's archaic. If I'm going to help you be accountable, then then what it is I'm really trying to do is I'm helping you be successful. I'm helping you achieve the goals that you've set for yourself. I want success for you. And as a leader, that's really how it should be. Because if I help you be successful, then the back end is ultimately I'm going to be successful in that process. And so one way is I'm focused on me and one way is I'm focused on you. But I see accountability really as a spiritual concept and it's not a tactical concept. And I I see it all the time in organizations. There are some organizations where there's a tremendously high degree of accountability and then there's some where it lacks accountability tremendously. And usually I can predict which ones are which. Uh, Organizations that have great relationships, accountability is going to be high. Organizations that have great relationships, probably you're going to find communication among people is, is pretty high. Organizations that are caustic, that people don't enjoy working at, they, they, they really wouldn't recommend working there, they're not engaged. Well, relationships are, are going to be weak, communication is weak, accountability, which is an outflow, is going to be weak. So I want to, pause, so- there. I want to pause there, Sam. So I want to take it from the organizational level, because this is great stuff, and take it to the individual level. So when we say accountability, it, it's what I used to love that you once said to me was, accountability is that I believe in something so much 
that no one needs to hold me accountable, that I want to do that, that I want to achieve all those goals because I believe so wholeheartedly in the mission, which really is aligned with the mindfulness, right? That if you have intention, that you don't need accountability if you're in line with the mission and you're working to achieve the mission and you believe in it fully. Am I getting that correct? That's the key is, is, you know, I said accountability is keeping your commitments to people. And so, but those commitments are connected to a set of values. And those values, that's what you just described and what you believe so much. It's about living those values. In a company, it's the organizational values. But between you and me, Mike, as friends, as brothers, it's the values that we hold dear in our heart. And so it's those values that that I have and that you have. I would never want to let you down. I would never want to disappoint you. I would never want to come up short because those values and even... And that's what connects us, Mike. It's not what we, we believe different things about a lot of different subjects. Any two people will, but our values align. Our values connect. It's the values that, that our relationship is built on. And that's what's driving our accountability. It's, I know what your values are. You know what mine are. Now, we've talked about our values. You And if I tell you that I value something and my actions don't align, then then I'm not living those values with you and I'm not being accountable. Well, and what I love about that is we're able to call each other out on that because we do align so much and in no way is it ever hurtful because when you have the same values, you understand what that person's seeking and you can say it in their language. Uh, when, when you don't have different values, you can try to be helpful and actually do harm because the person's not on the same value as you and they think you're just being hurtful. What it is, is you're pushing your value on their system and they don't have that value. And suddenly you have conflict versus alignment. Right. That's why we tend to connect with people who have those similar values. It's, it, and it's not about me convincing you that my values are right or or your values are wrong, or this or that. It's it's finding out that that we actually mesh on those lines, and and that's the problem in life. A lot of times, people are trying to put their values on other people. No, these are your values. Live them. Most of the time, that people are trying to put values on other people, they're not even living on them themselves. They're hypocritical. Actually, they're just downright lying. Because if you say you value something and you're not delivering on it, you're a liar. Period. Now, nobody wants to hear that, but that's that's the way it is. It's like it's like you see these companies that say we value customer service, but then they treat their customers terrible. They don't value customer service. Maybe they want to value customer service. Maybe they'd like to value customer service, but they don't value customer service. And so it's the same with us as individuals. Yeah, I think I have a, like you said, you and I, we do have different opinions on lots of stuff, but it, it, we really align in values. And, and I have another friend that there were opposite extremes in like political realm. And I'll have people say, how are you two such good friends? Because of what you just said, our values are actually in alignment. What we care about, family, friendship, being there for each other. We can, that's one aspect of politics, but there's these other things that align. And what I love is that when you and I are able to have conversations because we know each other's values, where we can get a little, really go deep on holding the other one to what they believe, you know, whether it be our right. kids, we, right. you and I have had very deep conversations about our kids. Sometimes it's like, so is, is that the end result you want? And just us asking each other that question goes, yeah, that's not in alignment with my value. That's not what I want. And it helps both of us go, hmm, I needed to hear that question. But the question was not, hey, idiot. It was, 
No, hey, does that align with the values you want as a father or as a family? And it's beautiful instead of painful. Well, and so this is where mindfulness comes in, in my opinion, because the whole idea is you want to be purposeful around your values. You want to stop and think about what your values are. And you want to see, not only do you want to think about what they are, but what does that mean? And a lot of times we'll throw words out. Integrity, that's the most popular one. Well, integrity for you may be different than what it means for me. I don't know. Well, what does this mean? What does it mean in my life? And then how is it showing up? You know, it, it's it's like starting the day with, well, I, I said that I value respect. How did that show up in my life yesterday? How did that show up in my relationship with my wife? How did that show up with my children? How does that show up with my friends or in my community? And so that that being purposeful, being mindful, being aware, then all of a sudden it takes that to, to, to a whole new level. The people that we admire the most are the ones that, that have a character that is based on a set of values that are not only great values, but those values are showing up in their life. That doesn't happen by accident. No, and I love that you discussed this. Let's go into that. You have an exercise that you have people do to help prioritize, I think it's their three main values, correct? So that you can really see how you are in alignment in your life. Like what you think is what you're, you're living for a life versus what reality is. Are they in alignment or really is one thing dominating over the other two? And could you share a little bit about how you, what that exercise is? Well, you know, we've actually moved beyond that exercise. For one thing, I don't prioritize values. That's a word that, and I don't, I don't know that use that word on purpose or not, but we don't prioritize values. There is no, if it's a value, it's a value, period. Which means if you have three values, seven values, 17 values, whatever they are, you're responsible to live them all. I love that. I love that, Sam, right? Because we, we typically get, like I just said, what are the three? But what if I live by 10? Then why, why do I have to cut four through 10 out? Right. I think that's brilliant. Well, it's totally up to you. That's the whole thing. And some people, some people boil it down to this and some people see it as this and some people package it like that. And none of that matters. What matters is that you understand what your values are and that you're living them. And so I've had a lot of times where people say, well, you know, if there's one value that you never break, well, no, no, it doesn't work that way. If they're your values, you live them, period. If you're not living your values, they are not your values. I was talking with someone over lunch just recently. They have an awards program in their organization and they give out awards for people that are living the values. I said, that's wrong. They said, what do you mean that's wrong? I said, they sh if those are your organizational values, then the people in the organization have to be living the values or they shouldn't be in the organization. If you allow me to come to work for your organization and I'm not living value number seven, and we don't even allow our clients to number their values, but if I'm not living a value, you either need to coach me up or coach me out. Because if you allow me to stay in that organization not living the value, then it's not really a value. And so values are absolute. Now that doesn't mean what, you know, that doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. I mean, you know, I've made mistakes in my life. I've made decisions that didn't align with my values. I didn't do it purposefully, but I strayed. And maybe you called me on it, or maybe you pointed out and said, wait a second, Sam. And so 
then, you know, if it's really my value, I've got to correct the mistake. I've got to make it right. I've got to do it quickly. But you either live the values and they are yours or you're not living the values and they aren't yours. There is no gray area. Here. So let's it's go, really absolute. Let's take it to the family. Because I think for a lot of people listening, they're thinking, hmm, family values. Traditionally, the parents sat down and said, here's our family values. But that's not necessarily the family values because that might not be what the kids value as the family values. And so is it more of a, hey, what is everybody, what is each individual in the family's values? Like have them write that down and then say, where do we merge? Those are the family values. Is that how you would evaluate that? Or is it more, do we sit down and discuss what we all want to have as family values? Which is it a combination of both? The challenge with a family is um, things change in a family. In other words, and the main thing that changes is the age of the children. And as the age of children change, then the relationships between the children and the parents change. Because while your boys are always your boys, and you know my four kids are always my four kids, it's a different relationship with a ten-year-old than with a twenty-year-old. And so are, are, you, are your relationships with, with adolescent children or are they relationships with adult children? And so where, you know, two of my children are married and all four are out in the workplace, they have the, you know, the right and the responsibility to, to choose their own values in their life. Now, you know, we have tried to, we have given guidance as, as they're growing up, hopefully as responsible parents. And, and, and we've had, well, certainly I believe that we have a fingerprint on the values that they've chosen, but it's ultimately up to them to choose those values. Now, in a family setting, then how do those values mesh? And, uh, and, and so some of the values, you know, although the core values of my kids, I would say are all in alignment, their beliefs aren't always in alignment. And so they, they believe a few different things about some topics and that can get kind of heated from time to time. But when we get back to the values, uh, that's what hopefully smooths out that situation. Well, and I love that because for those out there thinking, geez, I have a sibling that we just differ in so many areas. What if every time you saw them, you put first and foremost in your mind, what's the value we do align in? so that I can see that in that person and value that person even more than instead of seeing the negative or the kind of conflict or confrontation. Have you ever talked about people having couples sitting down and saying, where do our values align? And should you have a conversation where they don't? I don't work with couples. And so, and certainly, and I don't coach couples and that's not really the area of focus that I go into. But you know, I, you know, I know you and Karen and obviously Renee and I, our values are pretty doggone similar. Now, there, that doesn't mean we believe the same thing about everything. That doesn't mean we that our priorities in life are 100% in alignment. I think they're pretty doggone close. But I know for one thing that our values are in alignment. And so it's hard to be a couple whether it's a married couple, whether it's two friends, it's hard to have that kind of relationship unless those values are there to begin with. And when you discover that they aren't there, then, then in my opinion, you better focus on that because it's either you either going to, you either going to come to, 
you're going to come to some sort of an agreement. And that agreement's either that you belong together or you don't. But it's the values. It's the values that are going to be at the core of that relationship. So, Sam, when people talk about adding people in their life, uh, who their circle, who their tight circle is, do you think it's a valid discussion to have on, look, before I add that person to my life, do they have the values that align with me? Now, some people will say, geez, if you only circle the people around you that have similar values, doesn't mean all the same, but a lot of similar values, so you align, are you not learning from different value systems around there? Or or is the counter argument, I don't need to learn from differing values, that's not what I value. I find myself in environments with a lot of different people. And so whether you're white or you're black or you're American or you're Russian, whether you're Christian, you're Jewish, you're Hindu, you're Muslim, whether you're tall, whether you're short, whether you have hair, whether you don't have hair. For anybody watching the video right now, he is touching yeah. his own skull. So, that, that, yeah. that's, so uh, you know, where, where, wherever those people are, we look different. We may have different political views. The values are the same. We okay. value people. We value life. We we value integrity. We value relationships. We these are these are. It's not about valuing chocolate. I like chocolate. Okay, that's not a value. That's just something I like to eat. So, this, you so may, I want to pause. I want to pause. If somebody really is not in alignment with your values, you don't want them in your inner circle, and then that's to keep your values in alignment. That's like a safe. That's a good thing, right? It keeps conflict, negativity, toxicity out of right. your life. Am I going to hang out with someone that's racist? No, I'm not hanging out with that individual. Those values don't align with me. Why would I spend time with that individual? They're going to find their own kind. And so now that's a difference in values, but it's not a difference in now. If I only if I only hung out with people who looked like no, me. No, I know. I know. I get that. But I just I, I wanted to get to those values because now you did which is, it's not a difference in people, it's the difference in values is what I want to focus on. Because I think a lot of people think, I need diversity in my life, but you don't need diversity that doesn't align with your values. Like, why, br- why bring toxicity in your life that you don't need there? Well, and it's not a matter of don't need, it's just a matter of, I'm living a set of values in my life in conjunction with you, to be accountable to you. Those values have to they have to mesh. The challenge, though, is the people that say they have certain values, but their actions tell me otherwise. Right. Absolutely. And they don't even realize that. Correct. And in typically, we've all been there at some point in our life. And, and it's, it is somebody helping us realize it or something realize right. it that realigns us back into those values or recognize I need to own that's not a value, right? Because it could be that that's not a value. Right. The conversation that I was having this morning in in looking at accountability, because I think accountability is under attack right now in our country. When it's time to vote, do you vote for the party you've always voted for, even if your values don't align with the individual that's representing that party? If you say, well, I value honesty, integrity, but you know darn well that the woman or the man, you know, whatever, that's running for that office, whatever that office is, is 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 lying all the time how can you vote for someone that lies all the time if you value honesty aren't you better off voting for someone of the other party that at least tells the truth 
Or is politics more important than values? I mean, it really gets deep, Mike. You know that. Yep. They'll counter-argue, I do value honesty, but I value this other value also, and this rep, this person's going to put somebody, you know, as an example, on the Supreme Court that will address that value. And so now you now you have prioritization of values, right, on how they're voting. Well, but you, you can't do that. Right. That's the whole thing. You can't prioritize values. The character of a, of, an, of a person is either important to you or it's not. And if it's not, then just stand up and say, I don't care if the guy is a liar, cheater, or a thief. As long as he believes in building new bridges, I'm for him. Well, then fine. You don't care about the character of people. Well, your values and my values don't align. Just all I'm saying is be honest about it. Most people are not honest about it. They think they have values in a certain area when the reality is their actions say blatantly they do not. Mike, that's harsh. Okay. In my opinion, that's harsh, but that's the way that it is. So how do you address person who goes, Sam, it sounds very judgmental. Well, that's a great question. How to judgmental. You know, because mindfulness is the awareness without the judgment. Without the judgment. That's right. I define non-negotiable. To me, our characters made up a set of values that are non-negotiable in our life. And non-negotiable to me is a positive standard that respects the rights of others and is ob- uh, absolute. And so it has to be a positive standard. And so I go back to racism. You know, I look at the KKK. They have something they believe that's absolute in their life, but it doesn't respect the rights of others. And so that's negative. And so I have the, it, I have the right to say that that's negative. Their actions are negative. And I'm, I'm going to take that position. And so if, if, if you're not respecting the rights of other people and if you're putting other people down, well, then that's a problem. And so I don't think that, I don't know that I see that as judgmental on me. It's just a matter of you've got to respect other people's rights. And that to me is being non-judgmental. It's saying, Mike, you have the right to that belief, to that value, as long as it respects the rights of other people. But when, as soon as you are trying to condemn other people, confine, restrict, and say these people have different rights than those, then that's a, that's a problem against humanity. And someone has to stand up in that situation. We can't just sit around and let that happen. No, I love what you just clarified there because it's very much like free speech, right? We don't really have free speech because the moment our speech impedes on the freedom of others, we don't have it. Like, in other words, that's why you can't jump up in a theater and yell fire because it puts others' lives in danger at that point. It's why you cannot make certain threats against a leader of the United States for the exact same reason. I think that's an awesome clarification there, Sam. And you mentioned non-negotiable. So let's go there because you wrote an awesome book about this. So tell everybody about the book. Well, the book is titled Non-Negotiable. Thanks, Mike. It's it's based on a case study of a bank out of Amarillo, Texas, that went from one location and $10 million in assets to over 35 locations and over $3 billion in assets. And, the org- and it's a bank. You know, all banks take in deposits. All banks make loans. The $20 bill at your bank's the same as mine. What makes this bank special? What makes this bank a bank whose stock value never went down in the last 27 years? Well, it's because they have built a foundation of a set of values that they make all their decisions through, and those values are non-negotiable. 
period. And those non-negotiable values respect the rights of people. Values are all about people. Values are not about things. See, we're back to people. We're, it's a way of thinking. It's really a spiritual place to be. And that, that has separated them from their competition in such a way that they do absolutely amazing, even in the worst of economic times. And so in the book, we talk about what their 20 non-negotiable values are. And they have 20 of them and how they step them out and how they live them. And then through that process, we show how you can take that into your life and create your own values, your own non-negotiables, either personally or organizationally, and step it out for yourself. And for anyone watching or listening right now, we'll have that in the show notes at everydaymindfulnessshow.com, a link to the book, tell you all the information, great stuff. So that, that's why I want to make sure people found out about that, Sam. Uh, that is fantastic. What do Appreciate you Appreciate that. Absolutely. With everything we've discussed, Sam, what is the biggest misconception you think people might still have about accountability in their own lives? I still think people see accountability as punitive, as punishment. It's, you know, I got to be accountable. And I think, yes, if you make a mistake, you say, hey, I made the mistake. I'll fix it. That's responsibility. That's uh, honesty. That's integrity. To me, accountability is proactive. Accountability is taking the time to figure out what those values are and then living those values in a meaningful relationship. I see accountability as something that is moving. It's beautiful. It adds warmth to life. I think it's one of the greatest things out there. And I think that when we live a life of mindfulness, that when we're aware of what it is that we truly believe and value in our life, then we put that stake in the ground and we say that I'm going to live it, period, regardless, no matter what. Whether it costs me money or not, I'm living that value because I believe that's the right thing to do. When we move ourselves in that place, then I think that the quality of our life is enhanced greatly. And I think that what happens and what comes back to us at that point is beyond measure. Love it. Love it. Sam, outside of your, in addition to, I should say, your own books, a favorite book of yours? No. Favorite book. And for anybody listening or watching right now, Sam and I share a lot about books like what are you reading? Which and then we end up reading what the other one just read. So, yeah. so I'm as excited to hear this answer as, as anybody listening right now. My favorite book's the Torah. That's to me has got it all. And everything else that's been written is has pulled from it in one form or fashion. And that's always gonna be that's gonna be the bedrock. That's gonna be my standard. That's gonna be my favorite book. Now there's other other things that we read over the years that cause you to think, and I think that that's great, but you asked, that's my favorite book. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Sam. You know how much I love you. Well, I appreciate it, Mike. You know I love you too, and, and the honor of being on the show and being able to share some ideas that can impact people's lives is immense, and uh, I appreciate it greatly. Thank you. And for everyone listening right now, remember you can go to everydaymindfulnessshow.com, learn all about Sam, find his book, really dig in. If you're with an organization, you want to bring Sam in, you'll find the links to his website to be able to do that. And for everyone listening, thanks for joining us. We hope you're subscribing to the show so you get it every week, sharing it with others. May you make today and every day a mindfulness day. Three quick reminders. One, please subscribe to the Everyday Mindfulness Show on iTunes. Already subscribed? Then encourage others to join us by inviting them to subscribe to the show. Two, while on iTunes, download all the latest episodes. Three, reviews help more people find out about the show. Would you please go into iTunes and write a review? Doing so helps spread the mission of the show. Thanks.
We appreciate you being a part of our vibrant, oftentimes silly, and always vulnerable community. If you have an idea, a thought, want to sponsor the show, or just want to say hi, send us an email at listen at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. And check us out at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Have a joyful, mindful week.